You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into another episode of Bare Bones. As always, I am Mason West and... Again, fortunate enough to be joined by Dr. Michael Rusher. MT is I call him. Dr. MT is some call him. I mean, it's all over the place. I know you're pretty chill about that. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? It's good to be on here. Yes, I, I think this is one of my favorite segments we get to do. I mean, we mess around with mock draft stuff. We talk about this other stuff. But the fact that we get to sit, chat, do a little more of that next level convo of rehab, performance training, it's really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is my favorite. I love, you know... There's a lot of uh, different podcasts that I go on with strength and conditioning and, uh, you know, talking about what, what we do with the Bears, but to actually talk to other therapists about what's going on is is a lot of fun for me. Well, let's dive right in. I know you got a busy schedule. Uh, we're talking about Darnell Mooney today. Uh, you get to work with a lot of different Chicago Bears. He's one that I know I'm, I've been excited about. Bears fans love him. Uh, and But unfortunately, he did have an ankle injury last year. Uh, if you want to go check out what I thought it was, you can look. It's in my Twitter. I guess what it was. We're not going to dive heavily into that, but we're, we're going to talk about how you're going to rehab back from a, we're just going to say a severe ankle injury. At least that's what I thought it was. Um, so take us from the beginning. You have someone that walks in. Let's like break into two categories. You have someone that's post-op and you have someone that's not post-op. How would you treat those two differently day one? And then let's say two weeks out and then six months out. Yeah. So a lot of it is um, the the only difference is if you're post-op, everything is delayed until you're weight bearing. If you're not, if you're not operative, then you can start certain uh, certain um, rehab pr- protocols sooner. You know, operation, you obviously wait a little bit, uh, wait for the, you know, the tissue to heal a little bit more and, and the joint to be stable. Um, so obviously you start with um, decreasing pain, and getting a lot of the swelling out, that's, that's a given for both. Uh, lots of soft tissue. Um, I love contrast for that, uh, which is, for, for those of you that don't know, it's alternating between ice and heat. Um, a lot of people go just for ice. And I found that um, just research doesn't really back that. It uh, causes a lot of um, lymphatic leakage. And you don't actually, like the swelling is less in the area, but it doesn't actually filter out. It doesn't actually help the tissue heal. So kind of alternating back and forth between ice and heat um, in one setting is, is awesome. Um, The Normatech boots are great for, for flushing that out. So a big thing early on is get rid of the, the inflammation, swelling and pain. And then after that, you can start to work on uh, strength and stability and proprioception and kind of in that order go super, super light, super, super basic to start, like just building up the muscle again. I know you're a big fan of the BFR uh, stuff, the blood flow restriction stuff. So that's, you know, always on the table. Um, And it's a lot of just making sure that every single muscle that supports the ankle and intrinsic muscles in the foot are functioning properly and are starting to gain strength. 
Then once you've started to build up the strength and you feel like you have a requisite amount of strength, then you work on the stability and the balance um, and the proprioception. So um, that's kind of how you progress them. The, you know, they're about the same rehab wise once you hit a certain point, but surgically, you know, you have to delay that a little bit. Um, and then obviously the the trauma with the surgery is significantly higher. So um, there, there are a handful of other soft tissue things like uh, Graston um, and uh, it, one or two, one or two other things that you, you know, keep in mind with any screws or plates uh, that complicate it slightly as far as what you do, but doesn't really affect the long-term outcome, which is really good. So um, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, 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 you know, brief overview. Biggest difference is just, you know, time delay before you start the, the intensive rehab process. Yeah. You mentioned BFR, that blood flow restriction training. I do love it. I think it's something you can start so much earlier. Uh, for those who don't know, basically it's a tourniquet, uh, reduces blood flow down to the leg. You do it at 80% arm is 50%. Uh, and what it really does is it allows you to work at about 30% of your one rep max, but get results like you're working at your one rep max. Uh, reason being it, it increases human growth hormone, it decreases myostatin, myostatin inhibits strength, uh, muscle growth. So it basically just, you can say tricks your body <laughs> into like going into this overdrive of strength training. Um, and it's great because it does not put stress on the ligaments, the tendons, the bones that might be healing, but really just makes the muscle work. So it, it's a really great way to especially in that protective phase when someone might be in a boot and a cast, something like that. Um, it lets you still get a lot out of it. Um, yeah. One thing you mentioned, to, I'm curious. Able to, to progress so much faster because a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the times guys are very itchy to get going, but you just yeah. can't do as much. So if you add the blood flow restriction, then it increases the perceived intensity like that. And now all of a sudden you have, you know, just that, that the person that wants that drive and really wants to make it really hard, you can make it really hard without making it really heavy. And if you have a chance to, you should definitely try it. I mean, first of all, don't go get a kid on your own. You're going to kill yourself. But if you do get a chance to try it in a rehab setting or under with a trained professional, like with the, like Dr. Risher, um, it, you have, you don't know hard until you've done BFR. At least that's what I feel. Yeah. I used to do it uh, back in the day. I used to do it for uh, my arm days. We did both. Oh, yeah. We just wrap a band around. It wasn't, you know, it was not scientific at all. We just wrap a band around our arms and just pump out a ton of curls. It was hilarious. Then you get vascular as hell and you just, you know, look good for the ladies. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So what are some of the difficulties that you find working with ankle injuries? Like what are some of those hurdles that that ankle provides, the foot provides that maybe one of the other joints don't? Yeah. Um, there are just so many bones down there. You know, that's, that's a big thing. It's not just one joint. People think, oh, it's your ankle and it's, and like, it's one joint, but there are so many joints in there. So like, yeah, you may have one joint that's moving totally fine, but then another joint that's completely stuck and all of the ranges change. And so, um, that's a, that's a big complication is that you just have to figure out which joints aren't moving well, and then mobilize all of the joints. And then there are so many intrinsic muscles in the foot um, that you have to make sure you stay on the soft tissue and then you're strengthening everything, you know, adequately, you're not missing any of the ranges of motion. Um, so it's, if you know, if you know what you're doing and you're, you're good with the anatomy and the kinesiology of it, it's not a difficult thing to rehab, but there are a lot of pieces that you have to check into. So I think the, the hardest part is just making sure that you go through the entire checklist and you're, you're covering all your bases because there, there is a lot to do. Um, 
that's probably the, the, the biggest piece. The, um, the thing that I find, you know, is best bang for your buck is actually going, yes, working on the ankle, but working up closer to the knee and then continuing up the chain. So you're making sure that the hips still moves well. You're making sure that, um, the knee is not getting stuck in any uh, ranges, especially the fibular head. Um, and so you kind of move up the, 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 um, chain just a little bit. And that kind of amplifies the results later, later on. You're not necessarily going to see the ankle heal any faster, but once you get back running and stuff, if you've maintained working up with, you know, fib head, hamstring, quad, all the hip, that, that kind of, you know, speeds up the later portion of the recovery. So Darnell specifically is going into a pretty important off season, right? Contract talks, things like that, yada, yada, yada. In your experience, not specifically with Darnell, but just with NFL players in general, you know, how much does do they think about this? How much do, are they just purely focusing on their craft year ahead and what happens, happens? Yeah, um, I think a lot of guys can get caught up in the contract talks uh, and, you know, obsess over that. But there's so much you can't control. And so it, it starts to eat away at you. Um, Darnell's not like that at all. He's going in. He's taking care of what he can take care of. And, you know, he's at, at the end of the day, he knows he knows he's going to be taken care of. Um, so he's just going in controlling what he can control and working incredibly hard. So that's I mean, just like from the from the get go, anytime someone would mention uh, contract talks, it's like, yeah, you know, you know, it's you know, the conversation is going to happen. But that's not anything that he's worried about or anything that he's concerned about. He's he's going and trying to be the best version of himself every day. And then, with, again, without diving into too many specifics here, uh, considering what Darnell had to go through and what he's still going through up and leading up into it, uh, expectation-wise, you know, is day one, snap one, is he on the field? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, he'll, he'll be back for week one. Um, he's doing really well, and, you know, I don't see anything slowing him down. He's, he's going to be definitely ready for week one. And that was also my expectation, too, just based on what I thought the injury was. I, I didn't have any concerns about it, but I know Bears Twitter is all, all a bluster with concerns. So it's nice to, know, to have another voice saying the same thing. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you just look you just look at how much time there is to recover from something like this, too. Um, and, it, you know, if he's a if he's a rookie, then you're like, oh, wow, he has to learn the playbook. But it's his second year in this same system and he's really really sharp um with that he's already got a good connection with with justin so you know he has actually a luxury of time um he's progressing really well he's he's you know he's awesome he's going to crush it he's going to to throw everything he has into it um but you know there is a luxury of time this is not a this is not like your acl where you know a year after you're still wondering if you're a hundred percent. That's, that's not the type of thing this is. I think you saw Tua um, have an ankle injury and he came back mid season, you know? So there, there are guys that like, it, it just is unfortunate it happened when it did, but you know, there are guys that come back significantly fast and you don't really see a huge drop off in their play. You saw Patrick Mahomes play with an ankle injury in the Super Bowl and, and win the Super Bowl. So like, the stuff these these players' bodies are really resilient, and and Darnell has the luxury of a, you know a really good amount of time. Do you find a difference when you're rehabbing uh, your guys with ankles injuries? 
uh, between maybe like the long striders, the, the more the pure deep threat individuals versus maybe some of the quicker slot individuals. And so do you see a difference in that rehab process in terms of how they recover for something like this ankle? And if so, how do you rehab those individuals differently? Um, not, not enough for me to, I mean, I guess the, the only real, uh, difference is, um, you know, coming out of the stance, if you have someone that's like a D lineman, you, you just have to absorb a ton of force, but there's not as much cutting involved. Um, so it's, it's slightly different, I guess, but you're still trying to cover all your bases. Whereas uh, a wide receiver running back, like you have to make sure that they have so much proprioception in the ankle um, and that every aspect of their route running, every aspect of their cuts looks and feels as good as possible. D-line, there's less variability in what they're doing on a play-to-play basis. So it's probably slightly easier for them um, to, you know, or it's probably slightly easier for, for a therapist to say, okay, yeah, I don't have to prepare you to, you know, run full speed straight ahead and then break on a 90 degree angle on your ankle. You just have to be able to push 300 pound men around. Like it's, it's a different challenge, but the stability piece probably is slightly, um, slightly easier. I personally love the skill positions because there's so much to think about and it's really cool to go through and watch different movement patterns and watch them do run different routes and and make different breaks and say, okay, how are we doing right to left? How does that feel strength wise? And how does that look as we break down the film? So I, I personally love, you know, working with the skill guys because it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, long story short, not a ton of difference. There's a slight difference in position. So maybe you have a slightly different focus, but you know, as far as complexity, you know, keep it about the same. Yeah, I will dive into this once we get to the Eddie Jackson episode and we talk more about Liz Frank and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, that one is one that always, I think I handle a bit differently if I have like a, like you're saying, a bigger dude, maybe who's like a lineman mm-hmm. with, with you needing that foot stability versus like an Eddie Jackson who's going to be more just one cut downhill. But I mean, if that's crazy too, right? I mean, barely, you know, a couple inches difference in terms of where that occurs and how much different you're going to look at that. Exactly, exactly. And that one's that one's much more of, a, you know, the arch support that's needed and how much force is going through your foot. That one, that one, it definitely there is a, a slight difference. But as far as ankles go, maybe the, the skill guys are more complex. But if you're doing a, a good job rehabbing, you know, the, the overall plan doesn't change much. And so how do you find that balance where, I mean, I have my thought process on this, obviously, but between when you're merging from rehab into more performance, because like you said, these guys are hungry. They want to get going. You know, they're just, they may be sitting there and you're doing some of your ankle isometrics when you're very, very first starting. You're like, let's get going. And you're just like, okay, I'll slow down a second. Uh, how do you find that balance? Where does the blending occur for you? And then ultimately, when do you get that full transition to, okay, we're, we're popping forward into this is more performance and getting you ready for the season mode? Yeah. So I like to sprinkle in performance stuff as soon as possible. Um, so for an ankle injury, we can still work upper body motor patterns and upper body integrations. Um, you're just doing it. You're not doing it running. You're just doing it at a standstill, maybe bouncing in place, maybe doing it, um, on your knees. So you can, you can start to integrate all that fun stuff, um, early on, as long as you're creative. Um, and as long as you understand how the person is supposed to move. So, um, so, you know, we can do some rope flow. We can do, um, a lot of hand-eye coordination stuff. We can do a lot of core, like cross patterns, cross patterns. So we can, 
we can do a lot of the like quote unquote performance stuff. It's just not running. Um, when it comes to the team, you're, you know, you're not going to progress anyone faster than the team wants to progress anyone. And so it's, uh, I said this the other day, it's a little bit more reactionary, um, but you know, you follow the best available methods, you follow the best available uh, protocols. And then once guys check the certain boxes that allow them to advance to the next section of the protocol, then you advance to the next section of the protocol. And so you, you know, you got to walk before you can run, you got to run in a straight line before you can change direction, all that good stuff. And so it's, it's fairly simple. If you follow the best, you know, the best available data, the best, best available research, it's, it's literally just, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Okay. Boom. You check this box. Now we move on to the next thing. And so I'm curious on your perspective on this too. So for you in every case is obviously going to be different. What are your, some of your check boxes that say, okay, I'm after something like an ankle injury that something like Darnell dealt with. What are your check boxes that say, okay, we can start this light jog now. Um, yeah. So I have just really, um, two big things that kind of you check in with each time and that's strengths so different um isometric strength uh pieces whether it's um you know calf raise hold or certain reps or you know balance pieces um so kind of that that strength piece and then um tissue healing has a very predictable um timeline and so i go a lot based on the uh tissue healing timeline that is pretty well documented i don't have every piece memorized because, you know, there's different grades of injury have different timelines. Oh, yeah, um, all over the place. You know, I don't, I don't have that memorized. I, I generally, uh, you know, look it up each time depending on the severity and then, you know, grade, grade one's easy, grade two, it varies a little bit. And then as you, as you go up, you know, it's, it's a little bit more variable. So I go with a lot of the strength-based things. Um, and then, you know, as the, the tissue healing timeline, kind of naturally progresses. I know that we're okay. We're about in this range and you have um, requisite strength here. Now we can move forward and do something slightly more um, complex. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I, my clinic is lucky enough. We have uh, this unit called Dorsa B, which is, you know, essentially this injury uh, measurement tool. Um, and you can run the individual through that. And the thing that's nice about it, it gives you these really objective measurements of saying, your knee is collapsing at this many degrees per second, right? Your ankles, this many degrees when you're doing this movement pattern. Um, And this is just a PSA for anyone listening. Uh, If you are coming back from a major injury and the only thing that your therapist, your chiropractor, your whoever does is like a single leg hop test, get out. (laughs) Because that is not all you should be doing. So uh, that's just, I have to get on my soapbox for a second. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than than just, you know, jumping up and landing on one foot. there's, There's a lot more to it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam. The soggy morning jog. The why is the dog taking so long? Just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high-quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. All right, so now more specifically, something like the, the training performance side of this. What was last year? Like, what were some of the focuses that you and Darnell had in terms of going into this season? Yeah, so um, last year, uh, a lot of, and I, I said this recently on a podcast, a lot of, like, improving on the margins. So what are things that he struggles with in his game? And then how do we fix those individual pieces? So it's it wasn't like, a, oh, wow, I really want to get better running a, a corner or I really want to get faster or I really want to get more agile or, you know, it wasn't that sort of thing. It was like, Hey, this feels this way as I'm coming off the line, this feels this way on this break, this feels this way on this break. And then you go and watch film and you're like, okay, how can we, how can we train that? Um, there wasn't, there wasn't any individual like overarching thing. It was, it was a lot of what, what feels like it needs to be improved for you. What do we see on film? Now let's attack that. Um, tons of hand-eye coordination stuff. We, you know, progressed him further and further with hand-eye coordination, hand-eye coordination stuff. And we uh, uh, actually learned a lot this season and this off season already that we're, you know, going to implement for this upcoming year. And, and I think Darnell is going to feel a massive difference from what we did last year to what we did this year, as far as hand-eye coordination goes. Um, so I, I think there, there, you know, some things, some things that we learned that we can definitely do better. Uh, so a lot of that, like what is the marginal piece that you want to get better at? And then let's, you know, let's train it, let's break down the film and then, then let's see how it feels once we implement. And is that similar for, for this year? Would you say hand-eye coordination is still like near the top of the list? And if not, are there some any, any other ones that are kind of popping out from what you saw on film last year? Yeah, hand-eye coordination is going to always be the big one. Um, you know, just how well can you catch the ball? Um, how difficult a situation can you catch the ball? And there were a handful of situations where he wanted to make the catch and didn't. And, you know, we're going to make sure that that if those such situations come up again, he's able to make that play. Um, so, you know, certain, you know, specific uh, situations that we'll train. Um, and then really for him this year, it's going to be 
can we make your body feel symmetrical? Can we make your um, injured leg and not can, but like, how can we make your injured leg feel just as good as it did before? Right. That's, that's the big goal this year. So it's less of, it's less of how do we make you a better technician? How do we improve your movement patterns? More of a, how do we make you, you know, 100% and stay 100%. One thing you had mentioned on a previous podcast was how, you know, injury prevention, we talk about this all the time, how injury prevention isn't a thing. Injury reduction Mm -hmm. is one of the main things. So let's take, uh, let's take the play that's actually right behind me on the screen here which I know you uh, sent me this picture when I jokingly talked about Devontae Smith uh, uh-huh. not even making the catch. I was pretty cool. And you were like, uh, excuse me, Darnell can actually make this catch. Uh-huh. Um, one of the ways that, you know, the way Darnell really did get injured coming down right on someone else's foot, coming down on turf, that's not fantastic. How do you prepare the proprioception for a foot ankle for an athlete who is running at 100%, jumping up, getting jostled, getting pushed down, and then trying to land who knows where just worrying about getting their feet in bounds and making sure that that foot, that ankle, that knee, et cetera, is stable. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the most important thing is to find ways to replicate those feelings without risking injury in training. Right. So like, it, it's not like you can just throw jump balls and say, Hey, go up and get this and don't care about how you land. Right. So you, you can't do that. So it's, um, being creative and finding ways to replicate, like, all right, what do we do for a jump ball? What do we do, um, with collision? What do we do? You know, how do you absorb impact? And then, um, I'm, I've been a big fan of body tempering. And so, you know, body tempering just to toughen up the tissues. And for those of you that don't know, body tempering is just a really intense massage, essentially, um, usually with tools and your you're, if you've ever seen those monks that like can take a sword to the throat and it doesn't cut their skin, it's because their their body has been tempered and conditioned to not break in those situations. And so we'll we'll do a lot of that stuff. Um, and then you know, again, just how can we kind of replicate game situations in a non dangerous way? So you're when you're on the field, it's not your first time moving in that pattern. It might not be the exact situation. Right. You're not going to just like the picture behind you, you're not going to be able to replicate that play every single time in training, nor do you want to spend your time just training that. But you can find a bunch of, you know, scenarios that come up regularly that you can, you know, find different ways and creative ways to, um, you know, train through. How important is the ocular training for someone like Darnell? And I know, you know, I'll challenge individuals with things like synaptic glasses. If you don't know what those are, Google them. They're really cool. Um, people listening, um, things like that. So how often are you integrating the integration of ocular into, you know, spinal cord reactivity and then forward? Every single training session, essentially. Um, anytime we're doing, anytime we're doing catching, we are doing something to manipulate the eyes, um, to make it more difficult speed up his processing time and then um, just help him track the ball better. So uh, I I think some of what we want to focus on this year, some of what I want to focus on um, this year with a lot of my players, not just Darnell, but a lot of, a lot of the guys is um, your brain's ability to predict what's going to happen um, based on ball flight path, based on, you know, just what you see in an instant, can your brain fill in a gap that as it's happening um, so you don't have to, you know, track a ball the entire way, or you don't have to see a defender the entire way. Um, can your brain fill in gaps because 
it's you know so good at predicting what's what's happening um or so good at using its uh, uh peripheral vision so that's kind of that's kind of something that i want to work in with a, with really all of my athletes this year I wish I had the article off the top of my head, but I don't. I'm, I'm sorry to everyone listening. But there is one that I remember reading where they took a bunch of basketball players and they showed them film. And they just showed essentially the ball leaving the person's hand, froze that film. And they compared that to basketball players, uh, just people who watch the game regularly and then non-basketball watchers. And they found a significant difference in the predictability, uh, player's ability to predict if that shot goes in compared to someone who just watches basketball in their free time compared to someone who doesn't watch at all. So there's absolutely so much truth to, you know, repeatability, that processing, that peripheral ability to integrate into, into yourself uh, and just how you can take that. And again, like, like Dr. Richard was saying, fill in the gaps of, in a, it's really, really cool. And that's just another example where, you know, imagery within yourself, whether it's just sitting there and thinking things through, whether you're integrating, you know, projectors, watching other people's film. It's really important for your athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And one one thing that that uh, I think uh, I, I use this with a handful of receivers is um, a lot of people will do the, oh, turn around, pick up the ball quickly, and then, you know, make the catch, right? So you, I throw the ball, you flip your hips, and then you have to find where the ball is and make the catch. The other thing that happens is what if the ball is coming to you and you lose sight of it at the last second, can you still catch the ball and can your brain predict where the ball is going to be based on how it left the hand? So like, all right, I'm going to throw you the ball. And then as the ball's in the air, you're going to close your eyes and still catch the ball. So like that sort of a thing, like you can manipulate at what point the player is seeing the ball and then can they predict the rest of the uh, trajectory for the ball? It's, it's, I love this stuff. This stuff is so cool. Yeah. Um, we talked about Justin uh, before. I think it was a couple months ago in an episode, and we talked about Justin's top speed. Have you clocked Darnell's top speed? And if so, what is it? I haven't. Uh, I haven't gotten Darnell's top speed personally. Um, I know that the team tracks it, and so just based off of his uh, and I could probably go figure it out based on certain routes that he's run. Um, my guess is in a game, he's in the 21 to 22 range. Um, if, you know, feeling hundred percent fresh, fresh legs, all that. My, my guess is the 21 to 22 um, miles per hour. If you go no pads, I, I'll bet he could hit, you know, 23 and, I know Valus Valus has hit 24. Uh, I think he hit 24 miles an hour in his 40. So I don't know if Darnell hits 24, but he's he's definitely in the 23 mile an hour club if there's no pads and all that. That's just wild. It really is. These guys are amazing in terms of what they can do. I always think about it, it's like like they're running so fast that they would get a speeding ticket in a school zone, which is just wild to think about. crazy it's crazy all right so i gotta ask you one more question before i let you get out of here i know you got some stuff you gotta do yeah i think i lost you for a quick second there um put on your they're gonna call this little segment doctor gm uh give me one draft prospect you would love to see in the bears next year and just and a reason why oh um And uh, 
This is tough. Um, I think, I mean, obviously you look at the, the defensive side of the ball, you look at like uh, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter and those guys would obviously be fun. Um, I think a guy like, I mean, one of my favorite receivers in the draft is Quentin Johnston. And I think he would be a lot of fun. Uh, I think he's a, a great yards after the catch guy. I think he's a great contested ball guy. So I think, I think he would be a lot of fun um, in this offense, just, you know, giving Justin another weapon. So I'll, I'll go with Quentin Johnston. I, I love him. I know a lot of people are soured on him a little bit in terms of him versus Jordan Addison versus JSN. Um, but I do, I just think he would be a really fun receiver to pair with Justin. Um, and, you know, obviously Quentin Johnson's going to listen to this podcast. When he does, he now needs to hit you up, right? Exactly. You know, for exactly. house combine stuff, all that. Yep. I wish I, I wish I had a deeper, you know, like linebacker, deeper, you know, offensive line or tight end prospect that I, I really love. But I got to I got to stick in the first round because that's kind of where I'm at with my knowledge right now and, uh, and and go with my guy, Quentin Johnson. Don't worry. I'm going to ask you each time you pop on for this little mini series. So now you got time to prepare for the next couple. Perfect. Now I now I know that, that it's on here. So I'll have a couple other good deep dive names. Going to pull out the Owen Papo linebacker out of Auburn next time. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get we're going to get a, a D2 player. I'll make sure I have at least one D2 player that I, I want in like the sixth round. Nice. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, follow. If you're not, please go ahead. Follow MT. He's on Twitter at Dr. Risher, D-R-R-I-S-H-E-R. Instagram, Dr. Michael Risher. And of course, even better would be to go check him out and his wife at the rehab lab on West Armitage in Logan Square. Uh, both awesome yep. people. Uh, I've worked with Dr. Rich myself. He helped me with some shoulder pain that was, I could not get rid of. Uh, and so I'm doing much, much better now. And honestly, if he's good enough for Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, he's <laughs> definitely good enough for you. So, you know, get out there and, and get better, really. I mean, there's too many of us walking around with injuries and they're hurting us on a day-to-day basis. Let's let's take care of those issues. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This has been, this is a blast. I always love coming on here. I'm, I'm excited to get on next time and, uh, and talk about more guys. Yeah, absolutely. But that's uh, all we got for today. So bear down everyone. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.